there, you're listening to Context, giving you a biblical perspective on issues of race, inequality, gender, abortion, culture, and so much more with Timba Lamini. Western theology and poverty. Have you ever asked yourself why these black, African, Latin American, womanist or liberation theology, but no such thing as white Western male theology? And why do some theologians spiritualize and romanticize poverty? In today's podcast, we continue our conversation with John Skippers, where we tackled, amongst others, these questions. John loves Jesus and our nation. He is the founder of the Isipambano Center for Biblical Justice. He has written a master's thesis titled, A Critical Evaluation of the Conservative Evangelical Great Commission Paradigm of Mission as it Relates to Social Justice in the South African context, which she passed cum laude at Stellenbosch University. If you missed part one of this discussion, I encourage you to go back and listen to the last week's discussion to get the full benefit of the discussion where we touched on whether as believers, we need to make a choice between Jesus and justice. Hello and welcome to Context. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time, thank you for taking the time to join us today. It's going to be a good time learning and equipping so we can live our best life for Jesus. Let's head straight into our discussion. Sure. Yeah, there's so much meat in there. <laughs> Sorry, and and, and I, I, I'm so You're asking conflicted. great questions. <laughs> no, no, I'm so conflicted. I'm not even sure where to ask you. It's almost like, you know, it's like just multiple channels of you know so much <laughs> good stuff coming up you know um yeah and and because you know even the more you speak about 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 the origin it's almost like i it's like i mean I I feel in many respects, you know, you 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 speak about them. I mean, there was a powerful thing that you mentioned that we will divide to prevent division. You know, um, that type of thing. That you know, the, yeah. the, the irony, you know, that is hidden yeah. in plain sight, of of just the incongruency of their theological positions. That simply put, it's just serving the flesh. You know, serving what you want. You know, in, in that and. It's almost like there are so many of those kinds of things. You're mentioning the fact that have we examined our theology? Have we examined, you know, because oftentimes we just quote, you know, whether, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, we quote certain theologians and all that kind of stuff. And we are grateful. Like, again, I love the fact that you do mention the fact that, you know, we are not saying, you know, we are not um, sort of saying, making a pronouncement on their salvation. I thought that was quite, 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 quite profound and, and quite powerful and also helpful that critiquing someone, you know, because again, I think that's where we, we, we tend to run to these extremes, almost like the same reason why somebody yeah. would say, um, you know, we worked hard. So therefore, there can't be injustice because I worked hard right, for this. Right. And therefore, I'm blind to be able to see this. And I think that the, there's the same parallel type of uh, ideology or thinking, you know, that sort of always sort of goes into this existential crisis thing if I acknowledge certain things, you know. And I think the same is true with our theology, that if we acknowledge the broken foundation, you know, someone say, okay, so you mean all these theologians that have given us all these things, you know, um, you know, they are going to hell and, and whatever, I mean, we, the ex- extremity we, 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 we attribute to it, you know, that in itself 
becomes a barrier to honest um, re-evaluation, you know, to mm. honest assessment of what components of our theology are from this these toxic roots that were never examined and the real genesis or the motive or the justification behind them was selfish reasons, was pragmatism, you know, uh, to, uh, to, to enable us to, 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 to keep things as I not upset people. And I feel that in many ways, it's almost like we are doing the same thing, but it's a whole lot more complex. So they were doing it on donkeys or, I mean, horses. We're doing it on the iPhone. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, 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 with yeah. me, we, we've kind of sort of, um, it's more subtle, you know, it's more sophisticated, you know, it's how it expresses itself in, in church, for example, you know, wow. you know how, how do we do multiculturalism, you know, are we multiracial, but if you look at the fact that we have excluded people, you know, by saying, well, we're multiracial, but we'll have a, a uniculture, and we're going to continue, if we dare, you know, introduce anything that doesn't serve a particular palette in here. You know, yeah. I'm not willing to die on the hill of diversity. And so we yeah, will perpetuate yeah. this, you know, as long as we keep the peace. Right. Yeah. And so in, in your view, you know, how do you see it? This, this, this type of thinking still in as much as obviously it's not the same, and you said uh, saying apartheid theology is an easy one, you know, but how is it in many ways still expressing itself in how we engage, whether it's socioeconomic issues, where we look at spheres must fall, we look at the, the looting, mm. or we look at how we do church. Do we see mm. it uh, still manifesting in the pew even today? Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think absolutely we do. Um I, I like your emphasis, just by the way of saying, like, we, we, we can ask serious questions. It doesn't mean everything's wrong and everything's written out. I mean, I, yeah. by the way, I don't know how the new creation is going to work because I expect to see certain people in the new creation. Yeah. But man, I've got some real hard questions I want to, and things I want to <laughs> say to them, you know. <laughs> like, I, I'm not prepared to write people off and say, oh, that person's not saved. And that's right. even people who have. I have radical disagreements with me. I'm actually prepared to leave that to God. I'm going, right. yeah, God, if, if, if I'm you, that person's out. Right, but, right. Um, I'm probably out too. So, you know, we've got some problems here. So yeah. I'm glad I'm not God because right. there's going to be a lot of violence. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like saying, but I, I'm, I'm saying, actually, I expect to see some, her, some horrific people, if I can put it that way, in the new creation. Yeah. Because I'm expecting to be there uh, as well. So I need to own my own sinfulness. Um, because Jesus' blood really does cover the horrific sins, even the ones we, may, we we're not aware of. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think that means all of our theological heroes are going to make it. I, you know, Jesus tells us to expect that. Right. Um, I, I think we, we, we've got to look at that. So, so yeah, I, I think we've got to just be very quick to say, you know, we, we, we need to honestly look and evaluate. And we don't have heroes. Jesus is the hero. You right. know, if our theological hero has proved to be radically unjust, that's exactly what we should expect, right? Hmm. Um, that doesn't mean we've got to be okay with it or we we uh, pass it over or the person gets a pass. No, we say, Ew. And if we, it comes to a point where we say, I don't know, it's so compromised, I don't know if we can read it or have those books on our shelves, that's also okay. Right. That still doesn't mean 
that that person might not be in the new creation. I'm like, yeah. uh, that, that makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know how it makes you feel. But um, but the gospel, that is ought to make us uncomfortable. Right. It's not about our good works. Um, anyway, um, that was just a, a side thought. Um, you're asking, how do we still see this at play in the church? And I think um, we, we didn't discuss it. I think we, we spoke about discussing this. So I'm going to segue us into this. Um, it, it's just, I think it's this idea of, we, we think we have a theology that doesn't have a context. Right. Uh, we think that somehow we, you know, we use the thing as, uh, you know, people say, oh, I don't get in politics or I don't do this. I just read the Bible. Right. Or, you know, when I went to theological college, it was I just teach the Bible. Mm. Like I'm blank slate and I can put everything aside and just come read the Bible. I understand it perfectly. I, I think there's a bit of an arrogance there, actually. Right. Um, not an intentional arrogance, but certainly I can see I used to say that. And I, right. when I look back, I'm going, how, I, John, really? You thought you could do that? And so we need to acknowledge not only that each of us come from a context. I think sometimes we will say, oh, I can read the Bible and I read it from a context and I have all my questions and baggage. And so somehow I must put that aside and then I read the Bible. Right. And I, I, I don't think it's possible. I think it's impossible to put that aside and read the Bible. And secondly, I don't know if it's helpful. Right. I think we're meant to bring all of who we are to scripture. Um, and that includes our strengths and the things we see and the things we, and our blind spots and our weaknesses, uh, which is why at Ispambana, we talk a, a lot about the importance of reading Bible, the Bible in community. Um, because I'm fallen. It's, it's not that the, God's word is not true. The truth is there. The, the question we have to ask ourselves is my ability to get to that truth. Right. Um, do I, and, and in order to do that, I need my brothers and sisters, a diverse group of people. I need someone to, to be stopping me and saying, Sorry, um, apartheid? Sorry, mm. come again? Um, we, we, acts, what, what, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> how are you getting this out of here, brother? Yeah, yeah. Um, or wait, how are you speaking about this whole passage and you're missing the famine? How are you missing this implication? Why are you making this spiritual? You know, I, I can relate to this experience. You might not be able to because you've never been hungry. So why is there only spiritual hunger? Like, right. you know, we can ask these questions. Mm, and I think mm. we, we get a, we, we understand God's, um god's word more richly and deeply so this is a long this is, we're taking the scenic route to, to answering your question by the way um, no 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 so, it's so good it's we, good because we don't think because we don't think we have a context therefore what happens is 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 our context and our background and our belonging they they come in if you want through the back door You're without right. us noticing and so we're actually reading scripture and we're reading it through our context. We're reading it with all our blind spots, with all the things we've assumed are true. And so, for instance, if you are raised in a Western context, you're going to read the Bible like a Westerner. And if right. you only ever read the Bible with other Western theologians and other Western Christians, you're only going to read Western issues there. So right. if you've never been hungry, you're going to read, you're going to read spiritual hunger when Jesus says, blessed are the hungry, you know, right. whereas if you've been hungry, you're going, Oh, tell me about this Jesus who's who, who's who's going to do he something about hunger. the hunger. Mm. Yeah, yeah, who fills my hunger. Right. I mean, yeah, I got spiritual needs, but right now I'm hungry. hungry. Yeah, I want to know about. He this. was hungry himself, um, if, Jesus. Exactly. If you've never been oppressed, you will you will spiritualize oppression. If you've right. been oppressed, you'll say, "Whoa, whoa, Jesus is breaking the chains of oppression." And talk, sure. I want to know about that. This is good. And you're gonna and, and and I need to see that because I've been a beneficiary of privilege. I've never gone to bed hungry except by choice, you know. Um, and I need to go, wait, wait, actually, this is deeper. I'm missing this because I can't see this. 
And so if all I feel, and so here's the problem is, because we don't have a context, we've said that that Western theology is orthodox and normal theology. Right. So you know, let me actually go further than that. White male Western theology is normal theology. Right. And that's orthodox theology. Hmm. Um, and so every other kind of theology is, is, is some kind of other theology that must be evaluated against normal theology. Right. So we have things like womanist theology or black theology or um, liberation, the, all, all kinds of theologies that are, not but but you don't have and you have a book called white theology um mm. or western theology. i mean you have plenty of them but none of them have that name and that's right 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 and so because of that and because we assume that's normal and and that's right and so the western the western missionaries also assumed that was right and normal and so that's what they imported when they came to south africa and they came all over the world we we import this orthodox theology that actually is a westernized theology because all theology has a context it right. has to it can't be otherwise even the theology we find in the in the bible is contextual right. and i don't even think that's controversial i learned that at a very conservative bible college right and so uh, the theology we form is not wrong it's just we need to re it's it's incomplete right because we are coming from one context but if we have made that the normal and the right theology well, then that's the, then that theology will be unable to speak to certain experiences. Right. Does it make sense? Right. And I right. think we, we've lifted it up. So ask yourself um, if, I mean, and, you know, in most of our churches, many of our churches, who are the teachers? Who are the authority leaders? What books do we read? Where right. do we get our theological curriculum from time and time again? And the answer is generally it's coming from white Western men. Right. Who... And just to say, I'm not saying they don't have a place in the kingdom. Of course it is. The kingdom of God, everybody has a place. But do we have that that place of that kind of putting on a pedestal supremacy that is that we yeah, that, that we often have, that we, we, we look to them, and that's the first call. Um right. not, that's not saying we can't learn anything from them. Um and I include myself amongst this, hopefully. Um but maybe it's not our God-given birthright that we, the way we act. Right. And so, so, so here's the thing is why, why did, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Sorry, this has been a story. No, 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 no. Keep, keep going. Keep, keep going. It, 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 it's good stuff <laughs> I, I coming this. out. You've got to stop me. You can interrupt me. It's no, right. it, In fact, the but, irony but, is it, 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 context. The reason we miss context is because we don't want the, the, the expounding to, to, to paint the picture. Yeah. 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 So what I was going to say, so I think that one of the reasons it continues is because by and large, and I'm going to speak to kind of a broadly evangelical church here, I can't speak to all others, but even many mainline churches, and I have friends in mainline churches will tell you, and probably, actually, I'm just thinking even your, your newer independent charismatic churches, our theology is formed by white Western men. So we have a theology that is is shot through with at least in part with supremacy white supremacy hmm. that is formed in contexts of patriarchy that is formed in in contexts of wealth and privilege right. and so that you bring different questions there right um like we said earlier and so when we if that's our theology that's our normal theology that is the standard of orthodoxy it's really hard to speak to the issues like fees must fall right you know we we do we we um a friend of mine um, does this thing, and one of our cohorts he runs, he often says, he says, okay, and he brings out like a couple of systematic theology books. Um, he brings them off his shelf. He says, okay, guys, I want you to look it up, and I want you to find here what this, what these books have to say about 
I think injustice or about racism. He gets one of them to look him up and they don't have anything to say almost, or if it's sure. like really small. And he's like, and, and why is that? Because they're written for, for people whom in a context for whom this is not, is not, um, it's not gripping them. Right. Uh, and so they, they're writing from that. Kind of, and, and that's not a problem. It's a problem when we normalize it and we say this is what true theology is and anything outside of that is suspect. So I mean it just I mean just to come in there, isn't it so this is the 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 not I wouldn't say complexity, but the power and the, the and and the and and the fuel behind this extremely long term sustained um oppression as it were that it has a power to hide in plain sight you know that the, rule number one normalize it you know i speak for example for a lot of you know my white friends would say i have no culture whatsoever you know and you're just yeah. mentioning something quite a key here where you're saying you know when we look at theology we say no no well there's normal theology and there's african theology there's normal theology yeah. there's then spanish or, or not spanish or there's mexican or, or south american yeah. uh, a, a theology yeah. and, and and so forth and in there lies in the power for self-replication because now i can't um say uh, you see, for example, if it's normal, it's not political, it's not cultural, it's not any of these things. So when a black theologian comes and brings racism, they are being political. When they bring inequality, they are being political. When they speak poverty, you know, and they, there is nothing to be said, you know, from the other theologians, it's like a sort of an offside thing, which needs what you're saying to be seriously interrogated. So even yeah. it, even there lies in a a a level of call it sort of um supremacy and inferiority that is embedded in oh, how absolutely. we perceive um theology yes sorry um i've just got load shading quickly i wanted just to touch my, my my laptop i wanted to 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 stop the recording but nonetheless um yeah so i'm, I'm just saying isn't there the power of this type of stuff that it can actually hide in plain sight yeah. So based on what what you said, sorry, I I interrupted you while you were still still, still speaking, and I was saying, you know, I've heard many of my white friends, for example, will say we have no culture. Oh yeah. You know, we we have no culture, and so therefore there is nothing for me to sort of. I mean, um, I don't see how I I've got cultural privilege, for example, because. I, I don't have a culture, and so it almost becomes a barrier, you know, to even advancing any further further discussion along that line because it mm. has been normalized, and obviously it's playing out in this superiority versus inferiority. Even now, as you are putting it, that that's also true with theological um, exposition that we look at. The way we perceive and look at theology, we have, you know, normal theology, then we have African theology, we have South American theology, and so forth. And there lies in the, the inability to really grapple with the issues, because suddenly mm -hmm. when you have the normal theology advocating for the issues that matter for its context the moment somebody yes. then says let's talk about fees must fall let's talk about inequality let's talk about poverty suddenly you are being political because normal theology is silent it notwithstanding the fact that some other theologian who may not be 
you know, part of the normal clique of the Europe, Eurocentric theologians, you know, he, he may have already sort of dealt with these issues, but we are unable to really engage with them because they are immediately shut, shut at the door because they are political, they are not the gospel. Yep. Whereas everything yep. else that affects you know, the, the, a, 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 a European context is already incorporated so smartly in the sense that it's hidden in plain sight. So even when That's we talk okay, about yeah. inequality, we've grown up, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad, you know, you, you, you do. I'm, I'm, I'm probably younger than you, you know, um, even though you look younger. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> But the, the the interesting thing is, you know, I've got a I've got a, a context of pre ninety four to an extent, and you may have even more than me. And what we see is that injustice is normal. Yeah. You know, so to even speak about injustice, you know, it, it, it's like, dude, I mean, this is how things are. This is what not, and nothing is said about theologians. You will always have the poor, and I think that's one favorite scripture. Jesus said, "You will always have the poor." So, what's your issue? Oh, boy. You know, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, th I think the, the, the normalizing of, of theology is, I, and that's exactly it. I like the way you say it's, it's hidden in plain sight. Um, yeah, and I think we, we need to break that. We've right. got to, and part of that is, is actually we've got to start reading different theologies. We've got to start reading even people we disagree with. Correct. I think that's part of the thing is as well is like, um, and, and and I think it's a dangerous precedent is we'll say, oh no, we can't read, um, you know, what Alan Bussard has to say about um, inequality or black theology or liberation theology only because um, he's weak on X, Y, Z. Right. And so we use one aspect of our theology uh, that he's perhaps weak on because maybe he's coming from a different tradition to judge to write off everything he said yeah now let's be honest we don't do that we don't we do not do that with uh with white western theologians right you know in fact one of the big debates at the moment that's going on in Sydney america and us which means globally is around the idea of like can we still listen to jonathan edwards uh or george whitfield because they were slaveholders like right. what do we do with them Mm -hmm. And in fact, the same ones who are the same theology, which is saying, no, we can't listen to, we, we, we need to be careful of Alan Bussack because of X, Y, and Z, are saying, no, no, just, yes, we, we can we can overlook this in them and look at their good theology of God's sovereignty or whatever. Or, or um, even, even in the, the interesting one is look at their context. You know, I mean, they were in a different yeah, yeah. context. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, but why can't we do the same thing for Alan Bussack or Desmond Tutu or Frank Shikani or, right. or, any, or any of these people who may have differences? And sometimes those differences are very significant. Um, right. And I don't want to downplay them. I have some questions for, for some of those people. I'm sure they would have questions for me as well. But yeah. can we not learn from people who are different to us? Correct. Um, but that's dangerous because you start opening the door and you start, um, you, you start asking questions that are uncomfortable. Right. Um, you start, you start questioning this normalizing of orthodoxy. Right. And so one of our big tactics, and I, and to my shame, I've used this myself. So um, this is not. I mean, as much as I'm pointing fingers at anybody, I'm pointing fingers at me. Is we like to label and dismiss, and that's a big thing. Um, you know. So you know. Uh, oh, he's he's a communist. Right. He's a he's a liberation theologian. The the latest one. They're, uh, they're, they hold to CRT, critical race theory. Right. Gone. 
Um, and the problem is for many people who even use those labels, and I will include myself as one of the person who's done this in the past, is I didn't even fully understand what that meant. And I didn't even understand how that person was there. But that became a means to say, here's our, here's our, here's our, our, our trump card, we've played it, we no longer have to take what this person says seriously. Right. Even though they're asking brilliant questions about issues which our theology is not equipped to, to answer. It. And right. even that, we, because someone's asking the right questions, doesn't mean we have to go there on the answers with them. We can say, these questions are so challenging. I need to think about this. We need to grapple this. I don't know if we can, I don't know if we would answer the question the same way, but that doesn't make the question illegitimate. Right. Whereas what, what we've often done is we normalized and said, no, because, because our theology doesn't ask this question, therefore the question itself is illegitimate. Yeah. Uh, even though it's a question that exists in scripture. Uh, and so we find ways to, to, um, to silence scripture and those who are asking questions about it yeah um which which is a prominent tool of white supremacy uh of and of colonization and of of all of these kind of things and we've got to recognize that that's happening um in our churches and it's happening with nice people i just want hmm. to say that sometimes we say like, like white supremacy people think like someone running around shouting the k-word and waving a <laughs> an old South African flag or something like that. No, white supremacy is is is, is what all of us were raised in. Right. Uh, you and me, it's just right. different flip sides. And you know, like I never went to a class on this. I never, you know, no one ever sat down and gave me a book about this. But it was in it was the the, the air we breathe is the water we swam in. It was everywhere. The messages were just uh, lifted up that white is supreme, that white is better, more trustworthy, more beautiful, smarter, harder working, all of these kind of things that I, I, I never, no one ever had to teach me that. I, I learned that. And you learned that as well. Right. It just, right. and so it worked out differently. Um, you know, and so all of us have got to, we've got to look at this and say, and I think we've got to stop getting away from this thing is like, I'm not racist. I'm not, I'm like, yes, you are. How yeah. could we, how could we be anything but being raised in South Africa. And so our theology also is affected by that. But, but you know, the gospel says that's not the end of our story. And so, yes, I am. I need to name that sin. I need to look it in the eyes. I need to see how disgusting and, and, and uh, you, you know, evil it is. And I need to get down on my knees before the cross of Jesus and say, Jesus, rid me of the sin, even if it's going to take me my whole life, which it probably will be because it's taken me my whole life to, to put it in me. Right. Uh, but am I prepared to daily die to the sin? Um, and that's both in, in the effects in me as an individual and in the effects in society. Um, and so, I don't know what I'm saying. I, I don't know where, where, what question I'm answering anymore, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting getting passionate. So let me kick back to you. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, I mean, it's, um, I mean <laughs> you're raising some very powerful and poignant points that I think, you know, we need to, to grapple with. And I think it raises a lot of questions. And again, I want to just bring it back to, to the present environment now of, let's say, for example, um, the, 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 the present socioeconomic environment. Are we, one, at a risk as a church, you know, of completely being irrelevant? You know, because I think there was a time where the church controlled the pace. So I, I see it like, for example, you know, like the church could be afford to be a tractor. 
you know, because, you know, everything, you know, it had that power, it had that that, that sort of okay. political master within the, the, the previous uh, uh, governmental dispensation. And so we could afford inefficiencies, we could afford to be blind to certain things because we had the power, right, in, in, wow. in many ways, in many respects. You know, and but now it's almost like people are like, well, I don't need to listen to the church. I don't need a pastor to tell me this is right or wrong. I can see it in my fa- in my in my in in in, in real time. You you know that right. that you know the legacy of apartheid still continues. I can see that you know people yeah. are suffering. Yes, there are positive deviants, and most people would love to 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 pin their hopes on. Open their narratives, you know, to kind of excuse ourselves from responsibility on the positive uh, deviance, on the exceptions rather than the norm. But look at that guy, yeah. you know, he, I mean, let's look at Siakolisi, for example, you know, you know, look what he, he done, look at his Wonder World Cup. So what's the excuse of, yeah, yeah. you know, the 80% that are, that, are, that are crying foul and that kind of stuff, yeah, you know? Sure. And I think, you know, sure obviously still intoxicated by this theology that has never really been sort of taken through the real rigor of an external eye. I'm not saying it didn't go through rigor in terms of theological uprightness from the context and the best that they could with what they had and what they could see. But but at the same time, that theology being devoid of external voices, like what you're saying, of other people of different contexts to come in there, yep. you know, so having that and people not really re- reckoning with the fact that we need to go back to that, but also the, the looming huge risk of, of, of not being relevant. You know, you mentioned right. one thing which is quite interesting. You're saying, you know, how can I say I'm not racist? You know, because that's where another struggle comes in, you know, that are we? it's like, if we are raised in a racialized environment, can we argue non-racialism, you know, and by the virtue of the fact that I say it, it therefore must mean that it is true because I said it, right? You know, yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I think the main question is, is the church losing relevance? You know, is it losing relevance? What do we need to do? You know, and how do we engage worth inequality in a way that is constructive, in a way that is biblical, in a way that recovers some of the lost ground or recovers some of the theology that was so inconvenient back then because it wasn't singing the tune of of the Mm. powers that be, you know. And obviously doing that in full view of the fact that we can no longer as a church, you know, um, lead discussions, you know, until we've reckoned with this. You know, and pretty soon what happened in terms of the church being collaborators with the previous government can also happen even now, you know, because we are kind of playing catch up. We are not sort of robustly engaging with these things. And I think key things of being a Christian is repenting. It is acknowledging yeah. where you've went wrong. It's saying, God, help us. We cannot do this thing on our on our strength, but I'm going to go with all that I've got to make right where I can. You know, and how, how does that look like from, 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 from the broader church body as it relates to the current inequality in, in South Africa? Sure. Sure. Uh, okay. That, now that's a big question. Um, let me just say on, on the question of relevance, I, I think, um, I, 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 just to say that is, I think, I think this is the apologetic issue in South Africa today. Right. I think if we want to talk about apologetics, the defense of the faith, um, 
you know, you go to your churches in the suburbs and we'll still be doing an apologetic series on, you know, how do we know the Bible is true or the Bible and science or, uh, <laughs> you know, any of these kind of like essentially westernized questions or how, how do we can prove that God exists and things. And they're not bad questions. Right. They're, they're helpful questions. But I think the majority of people who are outside the church or who are inside but are close to being outside or on right. the edge or close, the issue is, does God have anything to say to justice? Sure. Is, is God, does God actually love black people? Is yeah. he on the side of white people? Mm. You know, I mean, if we want to use that language, we like to use about blessing all the time. Um, you know, God bless me. God bless me. Well, if I think we've got to relook at that language, but I'm not going to go down there. But yeah. if we want to use that language, well, it does seem like God blessed white people more than black people, doesn't yeah. it? Um, just at a surface level. So we've, yeah. got to, we've got to ask those questions. And I think, you know, if there's young, and, and I see this particularly amongst young people, um yes definitely young black people but increasingly i think many young white people i can tell you that i i'm talking to families in the moment they're going our kids don't want to go to youth group they're they're tired of hearing another bible talk when they want to ask questions about uh racism is happening at school and, and inequalities and these kind yeah. of things and 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 so they're saying we, we just we, we don't know we just we want to talk about it we want to get input we want and the church is saying no no we, we we're just preaching the gospel here yeah yeah so so you, you have opportunity missed all the time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and so I think it's the apologetic issue. Because if the Bible uh, and Jesus and the gospel has nothing to say to racism and inequality, um, it has nothing to say to the black lived experience. And, and, and in South Africa today, and let's just keep it in South Africa, I think what you're going to have is increasing amounts of young people um, saying, yeah, the radicals are right. We'd be sure. duped. This is a white man's religion. It's been, you know, and uh, that that famous saying, which I think must be nuanced of Desmond Tutu, white people came to the country of the Bible. We had yep. the land. We closed our eyes to pray. They they took the land and we had the Bible. And they're gonna and and I, I think it's probably his statement is probably more nuanced than that. But I think but I think he's going. But I think they're going. That's absolutely right. We've been yep. tricked. We've been had. The radicals are right. This is a trick to impoverish us. Well, I don't think that's the Bible. In fact, I think the Bible is an incredibly liberative, uh, liberative and life-giving book. Yeah. And I think the gospel is. And so how do we do that? How do we start talking about that? So uh, so, so the second one, so I want to say is that I do think the church is in danger of being irrelevant. Pray, by the way, praise God. that God is always at work despite us. Right. So, but that's not an excuse for us to hide behind. Uh, God doing it, you know, what, we, what he's asked us to do. Doing, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a big difference between resting in the sovereignty of God and trying to hide behind it. Right. right. <laughs> resting means That's we good. work as hard as we can. Uh, and when we get to the end of it and we're weak and we, we can do, we trust that God's God. Hiding behind it says, oh, God will do it. And I don't need to do anything. That's that's unbiblical theology. Yeah. Um, but so, okay. So the second part of your question, which is a huge part, was saying, what do we do today? Right. Um, yeah, and, and I think that obviously is there's multiple levels to that. I mean, I, maybe I can just, I'll, I'll speak a little bit from, I guess, the work that we're doing, the work we're called to do, is that what we're trying to do at Isipamana is trying to, to I don't say reimagine our theology. We're trying to say put tools in people's hands to do better theology because I do believe our theology affects what how we live it out. Um, 
And yeah. I, I think many Christians, actually wonderful Christians, are living with this disconnect between their theology and their practice. So they hold to really good Orthodox theology, but thank goodness they're not consistent in how they practice it. So they're involved in all kinds of social good and doing all these kind of social things, which, um, which if it was... Um, which it was approved by, when I say approved by the church, but if it was part of the church program, people would say, oh, we're being socialist and communist and political, but they actually are involved in all kinds of things and they live with this disconnect. Um, so I think we actually need to try, how do we join this? How do we say, you know, Temba, keep doing what you're doing. Keep getting involved in that education program. This is part of God's mission. This is what God is doing. Um, right. And, and not in a way that's, that's trying to, but, but, that it's trying to um, downplay the Bible. It's trying to say, let's have a robust understanding of what God is doing in this world. Mm. So for me and for the work we're doing, and we, we're very deliberate about that and saying that as much as we'd like to be, we're, we're not like frontliners, if you can say, we're not getting involved in changing education or policy or any of these things. Certainly not at this moment. That's not where we're at. Uh, we want to empower and equip and support people doing that. But right. what we're doing is saying, if we can do our work well, we hopefully we can free others up right you know why why do we have an educational specialist in the church mm. and yet what we use them for is making tea or handing out pamphlets or leading the service and they may be good at all those right but actually we need to say man how do we get behind you and support you in your work in all these underprivileged schools how do we change the education system that reflects god's values right which is which is radically how do we pray for you how do we finance you how do we because we know you're undersupported how do we uh you know how do we help you in changing policy who who do we vote for to help you get these policy changes through let's start thinking about why because we're being political no because we believe god is about bringing the flourishing of all people and as we do, by the way, and as we do that, we're going to have so many chances for evangelism. Yeah, people yeah. are going to start saying, what, "What? What's with you, people? Why are you doing this?" Or, "Ah, oh, Timber, you're such a lovely person. I love your spirit." And you should go, "No, no." <laughs> and you can at that point, you can go, "No, look, it's not about me. Yeah, it's about Jesus. We're doing this because of Him." So if you if you're if you love this stuff, man, you should come see the King. You should be introduced to him because he is even better than our and our efforts. And 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 that's you know I always think of that verse in one Peter, three verse sixteen says, "Give people a reason for the hope that you have." And I've never been asked that, you know. You know, as much as I've preached great sermons and done great Bible studies and done all these youth works, people have never said, "John, give me a reason for the hope you have." Sure. But we start living in hope-filled ways in the world. I mean, they're going to ask it in different ways. They're going to say, are you guys, what's wrong with you people? Why are you doing this? But essentially they're going, I don't understand you. You live as people of a different kingdom, a different structure. So I, I think we've got to do that. And, and for us, one of the ways we do that is by really robustly trying to open up different, change people's theology, link what we do, what we believe with what we do, and free people free people to be who God has created them with the skills and the gifts and the passion that they have to really make a difference in society. Um, in a way that's not just about making more money to give to the church. In fact, it might be about making less money because I'm wanting to serve the, the marginalized and the poor. I'm wanting to reverse the effects of apartheid, which is going to take our lifetime and more, you know? Um, and, so, and so we free people up by that. So, um, and, and one of the, the I, Last thought. One of the things, the ways we do that, I think, is 
is we change our theology and we say that if God is about bringing shalom, if it's about the inbreaking of the reign of God's flourishing and shalom and kingdom that's coming onto earth, that's, that's growing to one day that's going to be brought to completion by Jesus, we ask ourselves, we say to ourselves as a church in this community, in this space, what does it mean to be people of shalom? Sure. What will it mean to bring shalom to our community? Does that mean that we need to do evangelism? Absolutely. We want people to hear about Jesus because he's the great king. Um, but it also means that actually if people are hungry, we feed them. If laws are unjust, we, we, we work against them. If schools are, have exclusionary policies, we, we stand up against them. And it's not a separate thing to our gospel mission. It's integral to it. Yeah. That's Power. a holistic mission. Anyway. Power. Power, power, yeah. uh, John Skippers, and you know, and hopefully, I mean, we can still get you on 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 more of our sessions. We're going to be soon um, embarking on race discussions, but I think even as you are finishing there, you know, there's some areas where you speak about uh, the difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy, which which right. which are big words, but very real and very tangible, you know, in how we we we, we live the gospel. And I, and I think what I'll do, I'll just leave an appetizer, you know, for <laughs> for the listeners, you know, um, as we as we wrap up this um, this morning's um this morning session and yeah i just want to say thank you so much for for coming through and before i i close us off um i'm just going to ask you to do you have any parting shots around just this issue that we've been that we've been um that we've been discussing i even oh, love, I love by the way the fact that how you say how you say that god is sovereign you know but we must not hide behind his sovereignty because i think yeah. you know we do find it easy to say you know but i'm not in control by the way god is in control you know and oftentimes we say it just like it's like it's like if i if i you know it's like if i when when i do something well you know i i i i want to show people this is what i've done but the moment i don't do anything you know it becomes my easy escape route to say hey yeah. Don't look at me, you know, I've got hands, I've got two feet, but I'm not going to do anything, you know, because yeah. the sovereignty of God will still take care of me mm. being slothful. Mm. Yeah, okay. So parting shot. Um, my yeah. parting shot would be this, and it's not going to be a shot. Hopefully it'll be a bomb, is that we've spoken about it a lot. I'm feeling overwhelmed even by everything we've spoken. I think often uh, we start thinking about these things and there's a lot. Right. Um, and I've been on this journey for a while uh, and I still feel like I know nothing. <laughs> right. Um, and there's a lot and there's a lot to do. And um, so and it should feel overwhelming in one sense because it's taken centuries and generations, at least 1652. Probably we can go further back. But if we just even dated from 1652, the arrival of Van Rubeck and the, and the, the first colonizers, okay? at least since then, I mean, that's what, 300 no, 350 years, hey, that was my maths. Something like that, about 350 yep. years. That's a lot of mess. That's a lot of evil. That's a lot of injustice. That's a lot of, of, of theft and greed and looting of this country, actually, in so many ways. Yeah. So so if you're looking at that and saying, how do we change that? Oh, I don't know what to do. In one sense, that's actually not a bad place to be because it is so overwhelming because it is so big and it is such a mess and i think that's what and and secondly we say is that okay how, what do we do well we pray right we 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 speak to god we trust we we rest in his song and we say god okay you've got this and we start taking steps 
Um, certainly, if you're a white person listening to this, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make lots of them, okay? Uh, you know, if we could just do a podcast on all the mistakes I've made, uh, it'll be like a 12 part series or something in a row. <laughs> you're going to make them. Be quick to repent, be quick right. to apologize, be quick to learn. Like, let's get rid of this defensiveness. You don't have to justify yourself. Jesus has justified you already. Yeah. You are free in him. Now, that, is, that doesn't mean you get to, to just do whatever you want, but listen, but learn, sit down, sit down, be quiet. Um, I know that's rich for me because I've spoken so much today, <laughs> but sit down, be quiet, listen, learn, take steps, make mistakes. Um, and let's talk to one another. You, you know, we need to learn from one another. We need to grow with one another. Um, and then take big, as God lays things, and take big, bold, risky, kingdom-shaped steps uh, and, and do things together. You know, check, go take a schooling on about the policy. Go talk about the homeless policies in Cape Town. Um, you know, Pay for someone's, I, mean, I don't know, I'm just like off the top of my head here. Uh, speak to your church leadership about the theology, whatever. But but we, we, we don't have to solve it all today and we won't solve it all today because it's taken so long to make this mess. But we got to work and we got to start working. We're going to make mistakes. God is on the journey with us. We have brothers and sisters on, our, on the journey. Let's repent. Let's, uh, let's be humble. Let's have soft hearts. Let's work hard. Um, and let's dream big kingdom dreams together um and yeah power power dream big kingdom dreams together that's john skipper's everyone uh what a what a session what a reservoir of knowledge and i trust that you have enjoyed it i've thoroughly enjoyed it i've thoroughly learned so much i feel like i've i've, I've, I've lived multiple lives you know in in my theological understanding uh, there was so much richness and depth in there. Thank you so much, John Skippers. And please do, um, you know, uh, follow him. And before we, we end, maybe I can just give you one last I mean, moment just to let people know that what is it that you do? Um, yes. You know, how can they get a hold of you? You know, what is it that mm -hmm. they can do to partner with you if they can? Over to you. Sure. Uh, yeah, so um, it's Pomona Center for Biblical Justice. We are a study and training center um, committed to helping the South African church think through issues of racial and economic justice uh, through theological resources, through practical resources. Uh, we, do, we do that by robust theological reflection, by challenging our inherited narratives, by generating resources, and by just journeying with churches and organizations and individual Christians and leaders. Um, yeah, you can follow us, uh, check out our website, um, and you can um, you can follow us on I always want to say all the social media, and then I realize how old I am. So just the the the, the old the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We we don't know about any of these other these other new things. Uh, we'll get some. If, if you younger want to get us on there, come join us. We'd love to have you help us. Um, but yeah, um, and we're particularly at the moment we are we're busy with a campaign uh, that involves teaching, that involves just fundraising, that involves. Um, making people aware of, our, of, of what we're doing. It's called Change the Narrative. You can find it all over our social media stuff. It's really encouraging reading some of the stories there. Um, and you can also just go check it out on our landing page, ispomano.com forward slash change the narrative. We'd love to have you be a part of changing the narrative with us. Power, power. Thank you so much for joining us, John. 
And yeah, we've thoroughly been enriched. We've enjoyed that. And hopefully exactly. looking forward to having you again in the future. Thank you so much. Next week, we head down to Cape Town in the mother city where we speak to author and poet Tandika Metze and veteran of the anti-apartheid movement and co-director of the Justice Conference South Africa, Renee August, two of the most exceptional women in our nation. Here's a sneak peek of next week. My people, called, known, created, freed, redeemed, liberated my people. How quickly you have forgotten our shared history, how swiftly you have reduced me to a god of apathy, neutral in the face of injustice. Do you not know me at all? That's a beautiful prophetic poem from Tandika Metze. More on this in our podcast next week. Do something, diarize today's podcast or diarize next week's podcast or do something to make sure that you do not miss out. And that's it for today. And thank you for listening to Context. Sa Lanigahle. Until next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Context. We pray that today's podcast helps you live your best life for God and that you're encouraged to invite others to do the same. If today's discussion was helpful to you, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. In doing so, you will help others learn more about living for God in our context. If you would like to get in touch with us, please contact us on the details in the description. Because truly, context is everything.